The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. again to it came from radio the official the big apple con this is your host mark torres speaking we are here live on tape at our 16th live show in front of a studio audience at the east metal public library i am here with our senior correspondent charlie saladino hello fun seekers and we are here with our special guest for the evening we're here with fairwind cosplay we're going to be talking to with and about her say hi everybody. It's very much a pleasure to be here tonight. Talking to the mic. Talking to the mic. <laughs> as, as Mark is shoving the mic in your face. I mean, you don't normally have to tell an actor to speak into the mic, but this is a little bit different than yes. I said. Because <laughs> uh, if, if we don't hear you, it's going to be a very awkward, awkward uh, radio quiet, show. Like, hmm. It's going to hear me and Charlie, and then it's going to be... Dead silence. Dead silence. So make sure... You must uh, project my your, Yes. <laughs> so we're going to be talking to, with, and about her in just a few minutes, but first... We're going to have to take it away with the news. So the news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 22 years of pop culture-ness and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention will be on March 9th and 10th of 2019, which we are now in. Um, their headliner is uh, William Shatner. None other than William Shatner. He's going to be there. And we're also uh, partly brought to you in part by uh, the Comic Bar Con, which is essentially a comic book convention in a local bar in Long Island, New York. Their next convention will be on February 2nd, 2019. And also we got to do the shout-out for the Patreon. So we want to do a shout-out for <clears throat> Danny Grillo, Jared Burrell, Two Sentence Horror, Ryan McDonald, and Millie Portes. If you would like to have your name on our show as our shout-out, go to the Patreon, become a Patreon for us, and go to www.patreon.com, backslash came from the radio, and you can find us there. Whew, so now let's take it away with the news. Um, we're going to do the sad news, a lot of sad news. Who died? Yes, a lot of, a lot of people died. So, Evita, um, Evita. That's for the rent people out there. <laughs> so we have um, Daryl Dragon, uh, the captain of the popular 70 duo, the Captain and Tennille, died uh, Wednesday, January 2nd of kidney failure. His partner, Tony Tennille, says, He was a brilliant musician with many friends who loved him greatly. I was at most creative in my life when I was with him. The duo's best-known songs included such hits as Muskrat Love, Do That To Me One More Time, and Love Will Keep Us Together. Of note, the captain, a classically trained pianist, was a backup musician for the Beach Boys in the 60s and then met his partner in 1971 where she hired him to play piano for a musical called Mother Earth. They married in 1975 and a year after they signed a deal with A&M Records. In 2014, they divorced but remained close friends. He was 70. Six. Charlie, as a senior correspondent, you're familiar with uh, the Captain and Tennille? No, Mark, I was tripping those days. <laughs> yes, I remember the Captain and Tennille. Do you know of why course. they call them the Captain? Um, I, I like this stuff a lot, and especially um, it was a big comeback thing for Neil Sedaka because he wrote Love Will Keep Us Together. 
And uh, in fact, in the song, they sing Sadak is back. And then he got a lot of uh, gigs after that. He was uh, regenerated. Yeah, so it's, it's very sad. 76, January 2nd, he died. But there's more sad news. So legendary wrestler announcer Mean Gene Oakland also died on Wednesday, January 2nd, the same day of complications of a kidney, a third kidney transplant resulting from a fall which caused his health to deteriorate. Mean Gene was one of the most recognizable names in the wrestling business entertainment with his career spanning the AWA, WCW, and WWF, now WWE, rising to prominence interviewing stars such as Jesse the Body Ventura, Macho Man Randy Savage, and the immortal Hulk Hogan, just to name a few. He would conduct backstage and in-ring interviews as well as provide commentary at the broadcast table. Of note, Jesse the Body Ventura was the one who actually gave Mean Gene his name despite him being considered one of the most friendliest people in the wrestling business. Um, he, who died on the same day, is the same age, 76. So that's, that's, that was two, on the same day, same age. It's, it's, a little, it's a little bit. You actually were at the first WrestleMania, right, Charlie? No, I wasn't, Mark. <laughs> Oh, now you're not. Okay, fine. You a wrestling fan? Uh, no, actually, actually, um, we had a person who responded saying, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you a wrestling I'm fan? I'm actually not really familiar with wrestling at all, but the theatrics of it are pretty fun. So did you know uh, the Captain Antonio? No, I'm afraid I did not. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure you're not going to know this one either. We have, we have more sad news for you. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So this, is, this has been a sad... Aren't you uh, glad you came on today's show? <laughs> Real uplifting. So the third person who also died on January 2nd is actor, writer, comedian, and two-time Emmy winner Bob Einstein. He died on Wednesday, January 2nd, shortly after being diagnosed with leukemia. Depending on your generation, Bob is known for a few things. In more recent Tell years... Us. <laughs> in more recent years, he was best known for his recurring character, Marty Funkhauser, on the, on the HBO series Curb Your Enthusiasm. For the older crowd, his work on the Smothers Brothers, Sonny and Cher show, as well as Dick Van Dyke's variety show, is where he's best known. Of course, for me, my generation, uh, Bob was one of the top five people I always wanted to meet but never got a chance to, and he is none other than the world's greatest daredevil, Super Dave Osborne. Do you know who Super Dave Osborne is? Do we have a Super Dave Osborne fan in the audience? It's a radio oh, okay, show. I need to hear you. Yeah, there we go. All right. Um, for those of you who do not know, Super Dave was a fictional stuntman who had his own compound that rivaled Disney where he performed stunts on a weekly basis that always went wrong, leaving him extremely injured while his staff was mostly oblivious to his injuries. He also had a short-lived Fox cartoon in the 90s where he played a super agent who also got extremely injured during his mishaps while fighting villains of the week and a movie where he actually managed to perform his first successful stunt. If interested, you could just go on YouTube, do a search for Super Dave Osborne, you can see a plethora of his work. And he, the third person who died on Wednesday, January 2nd, was also 76. That's crazy in my mind. Super Dave Osborne fan, Charlie? We have happy news, Mark. We have tons of happy news. But are you a Super Dave fan, Charlie? Are you a Bob Einstein at all? What was that, Mark? Were you a fan of Bob Einstein, Super Dave, any of that stuff? Not yeah. really? Yeah? Yeah. I like, okay. I like Super Dave. All right. Yeah. So we're going to move on to happier, oh, oh happier, happier, happier Glad news. Glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we're going to move on to happier news. So from the now that's a doll to play with department.
Um, two years after comedian Amy Schumer dropped out of the starring role, none other than actress Margot Robbie, hot off her role as Holly Quinn in the film Suicide Squad, has been cast as Barbie in the live-action Barbie movie. She is also slated. I can't wow. wait. She is also. She is also slated. Man, there's a lot of hate for her Barbie movie. She's also slated to produce in the aforementioned film. Uh, Warner Brothers executives say. This project is a great start to our partnership with Mattel Films. Margot is the ideal producer and actress to bring Barbie to life on screen in a fresh and relevant way for today's audiences. Margot says, playing with Barbie promotes confidence, curiosity, and communication throughout a child's journey to self-discovery. Over the brand's almost 60 years, Barbie has empowered kids to imagine themselves in aspirational roles from princess to president. I am so honored to take on this role and produce a film that I can believe that I will have tremendous positive impact on children and audiences worldwide. I can never be better than Warner Brothers and Mattel to bring this film to future screen. And yes, Barbie has never been a zombie. Um, no word on release date and or story as of yet. You a Barbie fan? I'm a huge Barbie fan. Yeah, I'm still a Barbie collector, actually. <laughs> are, are you with the, the masses of the audience with the hatred for the Barbie movie? Absolutely not. As someone who grew up on all of the Barbie movies, including Whoa. the first Barbie musical in 2002. Uh, nope, I'm excited for this. <laughs> Charlie, Barbie fan? I think she's going to own the role. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, of, I'm of two minds of this whole thing. I mean... It's, it's, well, I'm not going to see the movie. I'll wait for the DVD <laughs> and watch it in private where nobody. But that, no, don't don't say that. Knows I'm watching don't it say that. Wait a minute. Don't you're say making, that. You're making that dirty. Oh no, I, I came from the neighborhood. I came from. I cannot say I could go see the Bobby movie. They would throw me out of that neighborhood. Why do you always make things filthy? <laughs> You're the one that said you want to watch Margot Robbie as Barbie statement. in private. I'm just saying. Uh, moving along. Moving, moving, moving. Yes, along. move along. From the who would have thought that talking to a fish would be so lucrative department. Um, for the third week in a row, Warner Brothers Aquaman sits at number one, pulling in over 260 and counting million dollars at the domestic box office, making it, as of right now, the 102nd highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Worldwide, it is currently at number 42, with almost $963 million in box office receipts. Wow. To put things into perspective, Aquaman is now DC's highest grossing movie worldwide, beating out the likes of Batman v Superman, which left the box office with only, only $873.6 million, and that movie was considered a flop. So, yeah, um, Star Wars Part 7, The Force Awakens, is the number one holder domestically with $936 million, while Avatar, uh, not the last Avatar, is the number one film worldwide with $2.7 billion, with a B, dollars in the bank. Did you guys see Aquaman? Not yet, but I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm a big Mara fan, so I'm, uh, I'm there for that. <laughs> Charlie, you, uh, Aqu have you I'm seen going, Aquaman? I'm going to see Aquaman next Wednesday. After or before you see Wednesday. Barbie? <laughs> Alone, by myself. Uh, I haven't seen Aquaman yet. I was uh, busy seeing uh, Into the Spider-Verse. 
And uh, it's on my list because I have to see that. I have to see um, the Mary Poppins Returns, and I want to see Bumblebee. So it's a whole, a whole big thing I want to see. But I do want to see Aquaman. Well, you you keep forgetting I met Aquaman. That's right, you did. That was when um uh, Conan. Conan. When it was Conan, right? When he was Conan. So how how was that? that was, was he, was he a gotta, star in the making? I got to tell you, he was one of the nicest, nicest people in the world. He was uh, very personable with his fans and. Uh, even though at Comic-Con you're not allowed to do certain things, um, he would get up and, like, hug his fans and they would take a picture. And all security was going crazy. So he was a um, he, very personable, nice gentleman. So I'm going to see Aquaman just because of that. All right. We have any Aquaman fans in the audience? Yeah! yeah. Are we happy that it's made a lot of money? Yeah! yeah. All right. So moving on... <laughs> For more news. There is more news? There is more news. Actually, I think this is the, is this the last bit. I believe it better this be is good the news. last bit of a... <laughs> yeah, this is the last bit of news. Yeah. So from the dark side of cosplay department, which is Ooh. right up our alley, oh. Oh. <laughs> um, police in Las Vegas are searching for thieves who broke into a storage unit and got away with $100,000 worth of rare comic books and collectibles. Wow. Daniel Ballard, the owner of the collection, says... Most of the books have been stolen were part of my personal collection. The crown jewel was Amazing Spider-Man, which I had the entire run from issue one all the way to issue 700. Oh, wow. To make matters worse, some of the books stolen belong to a charity called Critical Care Comics who deliver comic books to kids in schools while dressed as superheroes. What? Wow. And then in unrelated news, a man robbed a convenience store dressed like Venom. And police say the man had a weapon and demanded money from the cash register and then fled on foot with an unknown amount of cash and were last seen running down the street. So are these two things related? I don't know. How the hell do I know? What are you looking at me for? <laughs> are they related? Yes, they are, Mark. I don't know. Something like petty crime doesn't seem like something Eddie Brock would do. So <laughs> so, so it's not really him that did it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, actually, if you go on um, to, uh, if you look it up, it is a person in a full-on oh Venom costume <laughs> with a hoodie, and he, he robbed the store. So yeah, and then um, so the other thing is that the comics are all are all gone. So awful. I know, I know, as a, as a as a cosplayer, you do go to hospitals and stuff, or or do you go to hospitals? Yeah, and stuff? we do. Um, I work for an entertainment company that does. Uh, princesses and storybook characters, superheroes, things like that. And we've done Make-A-Wish events before, and we visited sick kids and kids who just need some lifting up. So that's an absolutely horrible blow to take something that makes child a child's life happier. Yeah, it's it's, it's really really sad. So so hopefully catch that guy and throw him in jail and do uh, nefarious things to him. <laughs> See that justice is served. Oh yeah, or like, or, or we like can do lawful, that. Lawful good here. <laughs> So that's it for the news. That's all we have for the news. So Thank we're going God. to we're going Let's to, hear it for the news. Go. <laughs> so we're going to take our break, and when we come back, it's gonna be all about Fairwind cosplay. So we'll be right back with the came from the radio. Alright, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Marissa Jade, your favorite mob wife, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey guys, want to impress everyone at your next party? Shock them all with a custom cake. 
Anything goes, classic wedding cakes to wild party themes. Follow my social media for weekly videos and photos. We're a Long Island-based cake shop. Custom Cakes by Christy Incorporated. K-R-I-S-T-Y. Call or text anytime. 631-606-8166. This is Gray Griffin, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Envoy Comic Distributors, the independent distributor for independent minds. We represent some of the finest small press and self-publishers out there today. To learn more about us and our publishers, search for Envoy Comic Distributors on Facebook. And shop for us online at envoy.storeenvy.com. That's E-N-V-O-Y dot S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y dot com. Have a great day. Hey, this is Ty Monk, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. And we are back when we came from the radio official the Big Alcon at the East Metal Public Library for our 16th live show in Center of Fives in front of a live studio audience. Yeah! And as I mentioned, we are here going to be talking to us and about Fairwind cosplay, but we're just going to call her Miss Fairwind. Hi, everybody. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Uh, aw, shucks. <laughs> so let's, let's start with the, with the basics. What is a cosplayer? So a uh, cosplayer is somebody who does, uh, well, they put the word costume and play together. That is, they build or buy a costume from a fictional character or sometimes original characters of their own design, and uh, they play. They go to conventions or photo shoots and just soak up the general nerddom of other people who like to express their love for series uh, by dressing up as their favorite characters. So how is that different from someone who is just playing dress up? I think the cosplay culture is a lot of um, the process of making a costume. So it's all about, you know, finding or sourcing the right materials, working on styling wigs or props from scratch, and then going somewhere. I mean, we're, we're all pretty much playing dress-up. We're grown-ups playing dress-up. But <laughs> it is a lot of fun just to see how other people create things and how they express their love for a book series they might have read when they were a kid, or a movie that means a lot to them, a comic book that means a lot to them. So do cosplayers also embody the character that they are portraying? Yes, a lot of the times they do. I mean, for me, I come from an acting theater background, so the play part is my favorite part of cosplay. When I'm in character... You know, if there's kids around and I'm a princess character or a superhero that children might be familiar with, I will engage with them in character. It's very exhausting, though, to go through an entire event in character. When you're performing and getting paid to do that, then that's one thing. But uh, it is a lot about, you know, finding the physicality, finding the way that they, they move or they speak, and finding the poses that work with that particular character. So it is, it is a journey to embody and create that character and bring it from the page to life. So, so essentially it's more of a performance than, than anything than just basically dressing up. You're really becoming that character for the intents and purposes of wearing that costume. At least for me it is, and I know a lot of cosplayers who do do that uh, when they do cosplay. A lot of it is about that, that play aspect. There's a bunch of cosplayers in here who are also performers as well. So seeing, <laughs> so seeing them bring those characters to life is always a lot of fun, even from someone who might not be engaged in the hobby and the building and performance aspect. It is really cool to be like, oh, wow, that Rapunzel is doing a really good job, you know, pretending to paint pictures with the little ones around, or that Spider-Man definitely has the acrobatic moves. That's so cool. 
So when you decide to cosplay one character, can you cosplay more than one character? Oh, definitely more than one character. Some some people do have their their thing that they're well known for. Like there's um, there's people out there who are like the Long Island Spider Man or something like that, and that's they do variations of Spider Man throughout the generations, the different suits from the films and the comics. But a lot of people do multiple characters because they love multiple things, and they're like that outfit's impractically cool. I want it on my person. <laughs> Charlie. It's my turn now. Um, first of all, I, I love the, the cosplayers. I think they're most committed to their art. They're the most committed to their art than I've ever seen any anybody who does anything, actors and anything like that. And uh, we were just talking about how you guys go during the week and then you're traveling. You're traveling and... And it, it has to be, where did this love come from? Uh, for me, I think I was one of those kids who was constantly in costumes as, as a kid. You would look through old photo albums of me and my sister, and it's like my grandpa's birthday, and I'm in a bell dress and gloves and, like, fake clip-on earrings while we're having birthday cake for our grandpa. Like, that, that thing never went away for me. I've always been very imaginative and creative, and moving into theater and dance when I was a kid, like, it just became part of who I was. If there's a character that I really like, well, I'm going to dress up as them, and then I'm going to be them. <laughs> so so that's what, that's what throws you out into the convention world, stuff like that. Um, how hard is that? I want you to tell the people how hard that is, because they just see, they just see the product, and they don't see the work that goes behind it. There, there are a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, to use a cliched phrase, but we've bled on costumes and stabbed ourselves with various sharp tools. I made Not a corset purpose. for my sister once, and I didn't have a grommet puncher, so I used an ice pick while she was wearing it. <laughs> She did not get stabbed. She's sitting in the audience. She's fine. <laughs> and she's shaking her head going, she's yes. She's nodding, yeah. She's like, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So now also there's, um, there's categories in cosplay. And your category is? Uh, performance, largely. And, and like fantasy characters, right? Yeah, so I do a lot of uh, princesses. I do a lot of fairies and mermaids and things that really catch the imagination by storm. Fairy tales brought to life. Well, you, you actually are a mermaid. Tell us about that. <laughs> actually, I am. When you had the, uh, in, in other news of talking to fish is things in your daily life. I'm like, that, that kind of is sometimes. Uh, in addition to cosplay and theater, I'm also a professional mermaid. <laughs> all right, all right. We got, we got to go slow. What is a professional mermaid as opposed to an amateur mermaid? So uh, a mermaid performer is somebody who is trained in, like, diving and swimming. And uh, you can find my alter ego, Mermaid Mist, swimming around at private parties on the island. We also had a stint at the Long Island Aquarium this year as well. So uh, we would swim in the big uh, pirate snorkel adventure tank with 19 species of tropical fish, swim with the guests underwater and uh, play games and sing for them. And it's a really cool job. <laughs> and how long can you hold your breath for? I can hold my breath for about a minute and a half. That's not very long, but I'm working on it. <laughs> is it, is it's, it? It's, that's long to me. <laughs> 
I mean, how long do you need? Do you need to hold your breath at all if you're swimming under? Um, I guess if you're doing more advanced photo shoots in like open water, you would need to be able to hold your breath for a long time because the photographer would be in like dive equipment and they have air and you don't. So I've never done that. I would very much like to learn how to do that. But I mean, when you're when you're interacting with children as a mermaid, you're going to be underwater to do some tricks, but it's mostly like popping up and splashing them, and you know, playing games with them, and diving for treasure and giving it to them. And you actually do have to wear the whole fin thing, and you bet my tail is twenty three pounds. <laughs> so this is this is a very important distinction between just dressing up and cosplaying. This yes. is a very important distinction yeah. right here. Some, sometimes I think the the line between cosplay and performing is very very blurry. A lot of the times there are cosplayers who are performers, like myself. Sometimes there are uh, performers who cosplay as well, but. I think I think to really bring a character to life is you have to have an understanding again of physicality and changing one's body and the movement and the voice to make that fictional character real. So it can be blurry a lot of the times like cosplayers will if they're dressed up as a princess or something they'll you know bend down and speak to the kid but there are performers like me uh, who are trained to do so and know how to interact with children and know how to improvise and create uh, like a fantasy in a moment. So at what point do you decide that I want to earn money at this, I want to make a living out of this, I want to be a professional cosplayer? Um, I guess when you've, when you've gotten to the point of uh, you are very skilled at your craft and you're well known for it. A lot of people think I'm a professional cosplayer, but I'm actually not. I guess at the base meaning of the word professional is you do the thing for money. <laughs> Um, and I've never been paid for any of my cosplay appearances. I mean, I've been comped tickets or a booth spot at a convention, which is really, really nice. But I've never been paid to do something, though I do think I'm kind of well-known. Like, people will be like, oh, you're, you're fair in cosplay. I'm like, this is weird. Hello, I've never met you before. We're at, you know, Costco. <laughs> so when you decide... I, I think you would be you would qualify as a professional because you're getting goods and services in exchange. I, I guess I guess you could say it like that. Sure. <laughs> and you. you do make your own costumes. A so, lot of a lot of the times I do. I'm not a very skilled seamstress. I'm a competent seamstress. But if you see like Snow White, I did not sew that. The boss of the company I work for made that. So I'm just like, how do I grommet? <laughs> so so you don't necessarily need to be able to make your own stuff to be a cosplayer. Right. No, there is there is a, a debate that shouldn't exist in the cosplay community of are you a real cosplayer if you buy your costumes? And the answer to that question is very simply yes, in that you are putting on a costume for that character and going to a convention in said costume. Like, yes, you are physically cosplaying. You do not need to always make your own garments to be considered a cosplayer. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, you're you're a worse cosplayer than I am because you didn't make that and I made everything. Like some people are in the hobby or the profession for the construction aspect. Some people labor over making their own hoop skirts in a, in a Victorian fashion because that's what their love is, is historical costuming and the, the construction of it. Some people like me are performers and we love being in character and feeling like we're connecting to something. And some people like doing it with their friends for fun. So like no one is a better or worse cosplayer whether or not they make their own garments. We're all just grown-ups playing dress-up, so I think we should just have fun with it. 
So the, uh, the most obvious question is, on Halloween, do you take a day off? I did this year when I'm uh, not performing. I'm a substitute teacher, and I was like, I am absolutely not going to school today. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we get dressed up. We have, like, the best decorated Halloween house on the, on the block, and we have, like, the best candy on the block. So we also go hardcore when giving out candy. I was Belle from Beauty and the Beast this year, so that was fun. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a cosplay house. Yes, yes it is. My mom is just like, you need to leave our basement because that's pretty much where we live. She's like, there is too much. There are too, mu too many gowns in my house. <laughs> Find somewhere else for this to be. <laughs> and, and we have to also mention, and I want you to mention your sister who is... Uh, Who's not talent. dead, but you stabbed. No, I, I did not actually stab her with the ice pick. Though she, she said she's fine. She's fine. Are you fine? <laughs> yeah. There you go. My, my sister is Aurelian Cosplay. She is sitting in the front row. Um, we go everywhere together, conventions. We build costumes for and with each other, and uh, we perform together. And it's just a blast having, you know, your best friend is your sister, is your con buddy. She didn't, she didn't film that one, so, okay. so you missed out. <laughs> next, next show. Um, so I'm going to ask, uh, uh, I guess, a sensitive question here. Sure. So when it comes to cosplaying and embodying a character, let's say you're going to play a character of a different race. Where does the line go down between cosplaying and being racist or distasteful? That's a really big debate that's going on in the cosplay community right now. And I think if a person who's white, like myself, wants to cosplay a character like Princess Tiana from The Princess and the Frog, you would wear the gown but not change the color of your skin. Skin color is not a costume. That's something you can't change or take off or remove at the end of the convention day. So it would be outright disrespectful to change the color of your skin just for cosplay. And it's also really annoying when people are like, oh, did you see, like, black Wonder Woman? No, that's Wonder Woman. You do not need to have that emphasis there because they are cosplaying Wonder Woman. That's who they are. So I think as long as you are respectful, if somebody who wasn't a person of color wants to cosplay Black Panther, do it respectfully. So what about on the, on the other spectrum, because I'm going to be that guy, um, <laughs> what about people whose skins are not natural, let's say a green skin person? So now, do you not do the green skin because this is based on what you said, or should they only be green skin no matter what skin you have underneath? I think because, because green and blue and purple skin are not naturally occurring skin tones in humans, like, do what you want. Gamora is an alien from outer space in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So since she is not a human color, like, yes, go ahead and do body paint. But we're all human, and human skin color can't be changed. So green body paint is a costume. Brown or black body paint is not okay. The United States has a really bad history with blackface that's super, super negative, and the connotation of it is just like, don't. Why would you do that? So skin color is not a costume when it comes to the human span of colors. I mean, if you want to be uh, green for Monster High or for Gamora, like, go for it, because that's not a thing that humans can regularly do. <laughs> Charlie? Mop. <laughs> I know. I think that was a very good answer. I'm here going, yeah, that's right. In fact, everybody should be clapping. Yeah. I was waiting for the applause break myself, but that, that, this is a rough audience. That's, that's very nice.
nice, but I, I, that's that's something that doesn't need to be applauded because it's like that's just common sense. Right, but you know common what? Sense is you not know common. what? So many so many people are just that escapes them sometimes, you know. And it has to be we have to be reminded that we're all one people. A lot of so. a lot of people don't mean to do it in a in a negative or a racist way, but some people just don't know that it's not okay to do. No. So just like do do your thing, but like. Be sensitive, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. let us talk about your singing. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can sing on the air because that might be No, we're not going to we're oh, not going to make I, you sing on the air. We should. would have. I would have, but I I I'm not going to make. It, and you have. You have done that. Today. Oh, say oh. No, you don't you don't have to do. Maybe it. at the end of the show, we'll you, see. You can sing a Captain you can sing a Captain Neil song. I don't know any, I'm afraid. There you go. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that to you. But, uh, yeah, you and your sister sing. And uh, it's, it's, it just adds to the cosplay experience, I think. Um, All-around cosplayers. And, and you, you, you definitely, as us, outside, looking at you guys, you definitely could sense who is the serious cosplayers. And uh, as we have some in our audience who are very serious, and the reason I know is because when I meet them on the street, I don't know who they are. <laughs> so, uh, so forgive me to you guys. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the serious guy in this situation. I'm okay. going to bring up another, another serious thing here. Um, we've, been in the, the, we've been doing this show for quite some time, Charlie and I. Quite and we've seen the progression from where we started with all the conventions and to now. Um, there has been talk, and I guess backlash might be the term to use where certain vendors at conventions, certain convention goers, do not appreciate the cosplayers because they, quote unquote, take away from real people coming in. They, they don't buy things. They, they don't um, participate as a true con goer would be. Do you have an opinion on that? I do think that's kind of silly, though I do understand where artists are coming from, and I think there's a lot of conventions out there that have reached a really good compromise for that. I mean, when you go to a convention, you're there for any one of a myriad of reasons. You're there for the guests. You're there for the art or the merchandise. You're there to collect things. You're there for cosplay. You're there for the entertainment. So, I mean, there's, there's so many facets of, like, geekdom that you go to a convention for that not allowing one aspect of it doesn't provide for the full experience. Now, I know a lot of conventions, bigger conventions like Anime Boston have a policy. If you are going to the artist alley, you are not allowed to take photos in that place. One, so that art can't be reproduced illegally. And two, so that people who want to buy art aren't blocking or aren't being blocked, rather, by people who are taking pictures of cosplayers. So I think if, if one can understand or reach that kind of compromise between everybody who goes to a convention, that might alleviate the problem. Uh, conventions didn't always have cosplay. In the United States, it's been around since, like, the 1970s, maybe? Wow. So that hasn't really been around for in the long scheme of things for that long. And now that it's so mainstream, it's hard to imagine a convention without cosplay in some capacity. And I could, I could attest to that because I've been going to conventions in the 70s. And very rarely do, did you have somebody dressing up. I think the first time I've seen cosplayers at a convention was early 70s 
uh, people were dressing up as uh, Star Trek characters. And I think that's, that's where I've seen the first cosplayers. But you're absolutely right. I've been at those conventions and everybody has been, you know, there's hardly any people dressing up. I mean, you have to be respectful of the artists. They're there to show their wares and to sell what they've created. So you have to be respectful of them, but you also have to be respectful of the other people who are giving the convention their money too, right? So I think everybody just has to, you know, figure out that compromise and go there to have fun. So speaking of respect and compromise and having fun, is it always having fun when you have a bazillion people wanting to take your picture? Is it always uh, tons of fun when you want to try to go from point A <laughs> to point B? <laughs> trying, trying to get to the bathroom. Right. You know. And so, so how, how, do, how do you deal with that? Is that a certain mindset you have to put yourself in before you go? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, depending on how big or how well-known the costume is, sometimes you have to put on the, Hi, I'm tour guide Barbie, like, and just smile, smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. Uh, you, sometimes you have to be like, I'm really sorry, I'd love to take a picture now, but I'm eating, and like, who wants a picture of, like, Cinderella with a giant sandwich in her mouth? Like, you'd be surprised. You, oh, you'd people. be surprised. I mean, I'm the sure, audience uh, I'm disagrees, sure they'd be surprised. A, there's a group out there looking for that, but it's, it's yeah. probably not, like... You know, you don't you don't want to see a princess like mid shoe like ha. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you do have to put your foot down and be like, I'm really sorry, I have somewhere I need to be. I have to be online for the masquerade, something like that. But most of the time, you know, people are people are really nice and they're understanding. But if people will, you know, badger you for pictures, just like okay, pose and thanks very much. Have a great con. Bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Is that voice. it? Are they gone? <laughs> and you could say it in character, which sounds a lot sweeter, right? Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. You know. But uh, where, where do you draw the line in picture-taking? Somebody uh, wants to take a picture of you, and um, they come around, and this is a stranger. You don't want anybody, like, where do you draw the line with that? I think you have to gauge per, per each interaction with a person. Sometimes people will be really pushy, and sometimes people will do things like try to take pictures while you're not looking. And if you see that happening to your friends, you have to be like, hey, you didn't ask my friend for permission. That's not cool. Please delete that. And so much of the convention scene now is cosplay is not consent, which is hugely important. Cosplayers are people too, and uh, we do need to eat things. We do not need to have our privacy, you know, disrespected or violated in any way. So if someone's doing something not cool, like call them out on it, tell the necessary authorities at the convention, security, whatever, and make sure that doesn't happen again. One of the things of uh, the, the bigger conventions at New York Comic Con, they actually had an area to change into costumes, which I thought was kind of cool because normally you'd have to change into the bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. Is or, that or you go in costume and you get the weird looks on the subway or on the T in Boston. Like, we were just talking before the show, my sister dressed up as Ladybug from Miraculous Ladybug, and in Boston you're not allowed to have masks and stuff, so she had like a giant Audrey Hepburn pair of sunglasses <laughs> over the mask that was eyelash glued to her face, so uh, sometimes you can't change at the convention except in the bathroom, and everyone's doing that, but having, having a space for that at New York Comic Con is really cool. Good on them for having that. So how long does it take from start to finish to make a costume, generally speaking? Um, I guess it depends on, on what it is. Uh, 
How long did it take us to build Peach and Daisy, the tennis one? Like three weeks? In total? Yeah. In total? Months. Two, Two months, months, she says. We, yeah, we because procrastinated. procrastinated. That's, that's what we do. It's called con crunch, and it's not great. <laughs> but it, between, between like building things and the painting and sewing and stuff, I guess when you take away the two-month equation, it maybe took about three weeks for that. <laughs> so I, I do want to let everybody know that the actual making of the costume in and of itself is not only a, a separate thing, but it's also, it's art. It yeah. is creating something. It is creating something. And that is one of the best things I find personally about cosplayers, that their ability to make these things and show them off in such a way that it is art. Even if they buy it in the store, they still imbue the character. It still looks really cool. I think that's a very important distinction between just someone who's going to dress up as opposed to someone who's actually cosplaying. It's, it's a big difference to me. Um, in your mind, when you were, when you were young, when Miss Fairway was, was, was Little Fairway, <laughs> did you ever think you would be doing this now? I guess I always had an idea. Uh, you, know, you know when you're a kid and your, your fifth grade teacher is like, write a letter to yourself and in 10 years you'll get it back. Uh, well, I, I got it back, actually, and I was like, 11-year-old me knew what was up because a lot of what I predicted for myself is actually true. <laughs> so what are you going to, what was the next step in your, in your cosplay performance evolution? I don't know. I would really very much like to focus on, like, doing film. I don't get the chance to do film work. Often most of my career is musical theater. I've done a lot of voiceover in my college career as well. So maybe, maybe some more film going and doing background and TV stuff, auditioning more. And um, I really want to get more involved in the Long Island cosplay community especially. This is such a, a wonderful, varied place of people from all different age groups and sizes and shapes and things to contribute. And the, the scene out here is so cool and everyone here is so cool. So the more we can make this a fun and inclusive place, I think that's where I want to be with cosplay as well. So do you think in 20, 30, 40 years you're going to still be cosplaying? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Very Ooh. much so. Yeah. Um, do it. We yeah, have someone in the audience who's 16 and she does, does it. And she does it quite well, I was There's no the age limit to cosplaying. I mean, there's, there's a point. Her mother's 83. Her mother's yeah, 83. And she's still Look at that. If, see? If it's something that you're passionate about and you yeah. love, like, why not keep doing it as long as you're able? So speaking of passion, you also did some dioramas. That, is that also part of your passion? Yeah, I like making them. Uh, the things that I made for the raffle are some cute little Pokemon dioramas. So describe uh, it for people <laughs> who, cannot, who cannot see it. Uh, I've always really liked tiny miniature things like dollhouses and especially like, you know, you know the Lionel trains with yeah. all the little flowers and all the little trees and things like that. I sound like Bob Ross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've always liked miniature things and going to the craft store, I'm so annoying. I'd be like, oh, look at the little tree. And my sister's like, we're here for glitter. Move on. <laughs> um, so, and I've also really liked Pokemon my entire life. Yep. So, I mean, uh, why not make a little environment for Pokemon? Because, I mean, if you grew up in the mid-90s like I did and you played Pokemon like I did, you inevitably amass the Tomy Pokemon figures. So what do you do with them? Because they're sitting in my basement. Uh, you make something with them. <laughs> and I wasn't really expecting them to take off. I sold a whole bunch of them already, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like People are asking me to build things for them. So, do you sell them online? Um, 
probably mostly only for local pickup, but I do sell them through online. Like, hey, if you want to buy one, hit me up and let me know. <laughs> well, as long as you charge them shipping, I'm sure you could yeah, ship it. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit uh, fragile because of the, the materials that go into ah. it. Like the, the, moss and ev- the moss and stuff is all real, too. So maybe spritz it every now and then to, <laughs> to keep it looking good. <laughs> I think they're, they're beautiful. I think what you should do is you should build an environment in your basement just like that. Could you imagine, Mom and Dad? Oh, it, my sister will yell at me. She's like, you've got moss all over your socks again. So, yeah, it's, it's always a good time at Shea Fairwind and Aurelian. <laughs> and what else do you have for the raffle? You have, uh... So I also have some prints. Um, whoever wins the raffle gets to pick the prints that they want. So, so, how, many, so, how, so how many are we going to do? How many? So it's just uh, two dioramas, so one of each. And yeah, how many of, prints are you going each, to? And maybe we'll do four. Four, four prints. prints. Oh, yeah. look at that. And it's kind of weird. I never used to offer prints. And people are like, hey, do you sell prints? I'm like, you want a picture of my face for Money? Okay. Sure. Oh my you could God. Just Here we go again. So, so, so there, so right there, once again, people are paying you. That makes you a professional. I guess. Don't I be guess. so humble. Say yeah. yeah. She has this thing with not thinking she's pretty. <laughs> oh, now it sounds like I'm fishing on the air. Oh, goodness. Oh, are we doing the raffle now? Speaking yeah, we have, uh, we have, no, we have, we have, likes to do that every, randomly every once in a while. We have 10 minutes, so I want to make sure we get it in. All right. So here we go. First diorama goes to. Okay. Everybody has Drum a raffle roll. ticket, right? I didn't yes, miss anybody. Everybody has a raffle ticket. There's All right. Nothing, there's we nothing go. more painful than going to the theater and you read out the raffle ticket and someone's like, "It's me," <laughs> and then they have to come from the back of the theater slowly as possible. We're like, "Can we just do Act Two, please?" Like, I'm very happy you won the 50/50. We have a play. Okay. So first diorama is four, three, seven, two. <laughs> One, four. Four, three, seven. Four, three, seven, two, one, four. Two, one, four. Come on. Gentlemen, with the camera. (laughs) You just go grab one of those in front. It's very meta. (laughs) (laughs) You going to take a picture of yourself with it? The so take the one. The raffle is the famed Long Island photographer, cinematographer, John F. Sheehan Photography. Yeah. All right. So now for the next one. Next one. Here we go. Second one. Second diorama. Drum roll, please. Okay. Oh, this is very similar. Okay. Four, three, seven, two, one, six. <laughs> two, one, six. Yeah, come on up. Yay. To a very famous MCOM cosplayer over here. <laughs> there you go. Take your diorama. Be careful with it. Don't get any moss on yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's going to get most all over her socks, but it was well done. Good job, good job. And he said four prints, right? Yes, so you can feel free to, to pick up your prints at the end of the show. So you're going to do four yes. more there? Yeah. Right, there you go. One okay. more. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Okay. I hope these all start with four, three, seven. Yes, Otherwise, they, yes okay. they do. Yes, they okay. do. Okay. Uh, four, should, yeah. three, seven, <laughs> two, one, one. Two, one, one. There we go. Up a print. Yay, you just, of you just, no, no love for the guy who won the print. That's, that's the audience is a rough audience. It's a rough audience. Never mind. Well, so go, feel pick free. one. Pick two. Pick two. Oh, everyone, oh. everyone who gets the diorama, you get prints. You get prints. You get prints. We're on Oprah. <laughs> yeah, get one. Oh, there we go. 
All right, so we got three more to go. Okay. I have, I have plenty of, of pictures in there. Please take them. Again, my mom was like, get them out of my house. Okay. Four, three, seven, two, zero, four. Two, zero, four. Yay! Yay! Come on up. Oh, she's shy. She can come she up can later. She can come out the end of the show. And we she got uh, a. Yeah, she won something, so she can come out the end of the show. And we got what was it? One more to go, right? Two more. One Two more. more. Two more. There we go. Two more. All right. Four, three, seven, two, zero, seven. Two zero seven. Yay! We have there we go. There she come on up. Yay! Two pictures that you, you get like. two pictures right over there, right in front. Pick two pictures that you like. They're all yours. Whichever pictures you want, you can take two of them. Oh, she's deciding. And I'll tell my princess and comic book friends that you said hi. She's still deciding. Oh no, you can pick the the, the big, big ones. ones. You the can get ones. the big ones. You can pick whichever two big one, big ones you like. Oh, she's so <laughs> sweet. You're welcome. She's so nice. <laughs> so she's still looking. So we're still on the air. So yeah. There we go. So look at her. Yeah, one, one more. more. Yeah, one, one more. more. And she'll sign it for you after the show. I'll hold the drum. Yes. All right. So you got that one. There you go. That's for you. And she'll sign it for you after the end of the show. So good job. And the last one. The last winner is. Four, three, seven, two, zero, eight. Two zero eight. Two zero eight. Do we have? Zero eight. Yay! <laughs> Look at that. There you go. Come on up. Oh, come on up. You got yourself uh, two prints. And she will sign it for you afterwards. You bet. Oh, oh there you, you go. I'm so, glad you like it. So where can people more find out more about you? Websites, mention all that stuff. Sure. And you can even mention your lovely sister. I in the will. Audience. I will plug. I will plug everything. So on social media, you can find me, Fairwind Cosplay, at www.facebook.com slash Fairwind Cosplay. Spell it. Uh, F-A-I-R-W-I-N-D. So just the words fair and wind smashed together. Fun fact, I was in an HTML class in my senior year of high school, and I needed a website. And I was like, that sounds pretty. And I've just kept it ever since. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Instagram, Fairwind Cosplay. YouTube, Fairwind Cosplay. Tumblr, I think you're getting the picture there. Uh, Fairwind Cosplay. Uh, if you want to follow my mermaid adventures, I'm at Mist the Mermaid on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you want to follow my beautiful sister, my partner in crime, Aurelian Cosplay, she can, she can be found. This one's a little bit harder. She can be found at Facebook and Instagram at Aurelian Cosplay. That's A-U-R-E-L-I-A-N Cosplay. We also work for Spoonful of Sugar Entertainment. High quality spoonful, uh, you know... Spoonful of sugar to your parties, superheroes. I'm doing the bad job of plugging. That was, that was nice. Yeah. What's their website? Uh, we are Spoonful of Sugar ENT on Instagram and Spoonful of Sugar Entertainment on Facebook. All so right. any, any original characters, mermaids, princesses, superheroes, other classic storybook characters, we've got them, and we all sing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have about five, six minutes to go. So I guess one of the important things is what advice can you give to somebody who's out there, like the young people in the audience, the young, young people in the audience, <laughs> if they they want to do cosplay what what can you say hey what should they what should they do should they study craft should they just find something they like what was the advice honestly i think that if you like something go do it 
there are so many resources out there for cosplayers of all skill levels and of all ages. So if you're someone who, like us, rips apart garments that already exist and Frankenstein them back together into a superhero costume, uh, there are so many superheroes that exist, like Supergirl from the DC Superhero Girls, that can be made with things that you have in your house, pre-existing skirts or pants and t-shirts that you can iron-on transfer or fabric paint things onto. Um, find, find pieces of literature or media that you really like. Find that one character that you know means a lot to you and either have somebody make it for you or make it yourself. Cosplay is all about having fun and it doesn't matter at what skill level you are. If you're up there and you're having fun in your costume then you're doing it right. So there's no wrong way to do it. If you're having fun then again that's the most important thing. So why not go out there, chase your dreams and pretend to be a fish like I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do our final thoughts. Unless you have another question, Charlie. Do you have a, one more to go before we do our final thoughts? No, Mark, I don't. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no I just, like a, I just think um, here's a very controversial opinion that I have, uh -huh. but I just think that cosplayers make the convention, and I think you guys are, you guys bust your chops. You, you put out a great product over there. You guys look great, and... Basically, I love going to conventions just for the, the cosplay acts, uh, uh, rented lips. <laughs> just for the cosplay um, aspect. Yeah, aspect. That was it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for, for aspect. It's, it's, the drugs are kicking in, folks. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, cold help, drugs. I got help a cold. From the audience. Thank you. Um, but anyway, yeah, and you, I mean, how long do we know each other? Um, three, 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 four, yeah. go maybe on, yeah. going on four years now? Yeah, maybe on four years. And it's just like you see people who really strike you as, oh, my God, that looks so great, and take a picture, and then you see them again and again and again. And then uh, you start to know how committed they are, how, and uh, you get into it and say, my God, you guys really do a great job. And, and that's how, how it happens. And uh, you guys have a compassion, and I love it. So there you go. And especially Fairwin Cosby. Oh, shucks. Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't even your final thought. That was your, that was your comment. <laughs> that, that was my final. I hope it's not my final thought. I hope I have a lot more thoughts after this. But uh, basically, no. That's, that was that's, your final thought? That's all I had to say, Mark. Leave right. me alone. Miss Fairwin, Miss Fairwin, do you have a final thought for us? Uh, i just like to thank you guys for inviting me here. Uh, this is so much fun. I love seeing, you know, cosplayers, cosplayers do it for themselves, but it's always so fun to see people like, hey, your costume of this character is so awesome. I saw a picture of it online. And having photographers and people who care so much about the cosplay community like you two, who feature people who go out of their way to make these connections, it's, it's an art form that goes both ways. You know, cosplay photographers don't get anywhere without their mediums, and f cosplayers don't get anywhere without pictures. So it's so fun to just see that you have a love for what we do, and that you have a love for what you do. Everything is collaborative. Like, there is no such thing as a one-man show. There's somebody running lights, or running sound. There's always someone behind the camera, manning the laptop, manning the microphone. 
So thank you for doing what you do and making cosplayers feel like we're not just stabbing ourselves with needles for no reason. <laughs> no, we got to get you guys out there because you guys are special. We like you. So my final thought is this. Once again, thank you for coming down here. We really appreciate you being a guest and shedding some light on this whole cosplay thing. I mean, I've known cosplayers for a long time. We've had a couple of on our show, Dana Velez. Uh, she was a cosplayer in her charity. And, and the beauty of it is they're all different uh, there were all different uh, styles. There's yeah, like fantasy, it's, it's, there's horror, there's... Um, it's know, really cool horror. that it's, it's, as I said before, it is an art form. And, it's, and it's, it is part of the, the whole experience for going to a convention. And I believe that it, there is a place for it. And I believe that it's really um, a community. And it's, I like how they're able to really become... One with everybody else. I know that there's a lot of cosplayers who love to help others. They always give their craft to others. It's always a very, a very giving mm -hmm. thing I've noticed. And I think that that's really cool in today's day and age that there's something out there for everybody. Yeah. And even for people who don't cosplay themselves, they can still appreciate what's being done. And so I, that's, that's my final thought. So I say much continued success. Thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you in 20, 40, 30 years. Do you know what you would dress up as, what you cosplay as in 30, 40 uh, years? Fairy godmother, for sure. Fairy godmother. Fairy godmother. All right. Make the magic no matter what age. Everybody could use a little bit of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. So. <laughs> nice, nice. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on our radio station. Um, if you miss any part of our show, Tough. you can go to our website, <laughs> www.itcamefromradio.com. Listen to archives we've got in a week or so. We're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play Music, um, Podcast Planet, um, Spotify. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other things we just got on, so I don't even know them all. But check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a YouTube page. Um, or as our co-host, Dominic, uh, the definition man Sprano would say, just Google It Came From The Radio. Um, Next uh, live show, if you guys are interested, will be on the February 20th of uh, this year, 2019, and it will be guest artist Alexandra Stefanik. Um, she is an artist, and she's also a Girl Scout, so I think that's going to be very interesting wow. to come down. So if you guys are interested, make sure you guys do that. Otherwise, you can hear us on our weekly show. And Yes, Charlie? I want to just thank everybody for coming down, because it wouldn't be a live show without the live. And that's really Yes, thank, thank you. you. And thank you very much to Kelly Gordon and the East Meadow, as said it right again, Public as Library always. for having us here. And we will see you all next time. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>